comic book pit. Okay. So weird, just jumping in, not spending an hour catching up and talking about whatever. <laughs> just jumping into the pod stuff. Yeah, eating. It's like it's professional. Eating dinner, here. you know, nothing. This is right. <laughs> From zero to pod. <laughs> zero to pod. There you go. <laughs> I'm assuming I know what. Mm-hmm. What's it, what you got there? The little yeah. LS blown, Dan. Can I interest you? Yeah, I'll take a swig. <coughs> I'll put some pod in your cast. Yes, it will. Um, so, yeah, Dan, I don't know what you want to talk about, what, well, I don't what's know. been on your mind lately. You know, it's, it, it's been a year since we've, since we've last had you guys on and I just wanted to catch up cause I don't know. You guys are cool. I like you guys a lot. Oh, thank you so much, Dan. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, uh, I guess I'll do a proper introduction while we're, you know, getting settled here. So this is a comic book pit. I wow, I'm so um, unprepared. I don't even know what number this is. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm I'm a mess right now. Uh, comic book pit episode. I think it's three nineteen. We can go with that. We'll go with that. Yeah, three nineteen. That's a nice. It's a nice number. And uh, <clears throat> I'm your host, uh, Hot Mess Dan Greenwald, and uh, with me are the uh, uh, two thirds. Of the McSauce podcast uh, on the couch, we've got uh, Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Paul McGinty. Hello. And no Matt Casal. Boo. Oh. I mean, yay. yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so no, Ma- but Matt has his fans. He has droves and droves of fans that definitely will see this and be like, oh, it was good, but there was no. There's no Matt Casal, so I don't know if I'll I'll really download. <laughs> the show just didn't have that math factor. <laughs> yeah. Matt definitely does bring a factor to our shows. I, I can't put my finger on it, but when I listen to your shows, something about the way Matt talks, and, I, and this is going to sound awful, makes me laugh. <laughs> it's just, it, it, I think it's like his cadence, and he always sounds, no matter what he's talking about, he always sounds deadly serious. Yeah. Like well, he takes himself very serious. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his jokes, um, he doesn't necessarily want you to know that they're jokes. 
<laughs> he wants you to he wants the audience to really work for the joke. Okay. I don't know if that works comedically or not, but Matt's, that's his thing. Matt's favorite bit is obscure movie quotes. Oh, I can't Matt's not gonna stand. give you <laughs> I am your father. He's gonna give you like pass me that butter. <laughs> And then he'll look at you like, huh, huh? Do you know what that Am is? Am I right? Am you I right? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, but enough of dumping on Matt <laughs> segment. I, f- I feel that um, I Man's... feel that way about uh, T.J. Miller. Like he could read the phone book, and I would think it's funny, just like the way he speaks and his accent. T.J. Miller, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I know the name, but so in Silicon Valley, he's oh. the bartender in yeah. Deadpool. Gotcha. He was. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. What's the Pittsburgh movie? She's out of your league. Yeah. He's one of the guys there. Uh, wasn't he in Clo- was he in Cloverfield? Yes, he was in Cloverfield. He was he was mm-hmm. the guy who was kind of like filming everything. Yeah. Okay. He was? Yeah. He was in Cloverfield, yeah, absolutely. That was the first thing. That was I before saw. he was really wow. famous. Yeah, that was like kind of the first thing I ever saw him in, I think. So. Well, you know, it, it, what's funny is and this is completely like off track, but um I almost introduced you guys as the cause I, I I think of you guys first. Because I think when we first met each other, you guys did more comic book stuff. So I almost introduced you as like the McSauce comic book podcast. But you guys have kind of like evolved beyond comics and on your show. Like you guys talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah, th- it's it's a bit of a recent change. And we didn't make any kind of fanfare about it. But over the last, since The Last Jedi came out really, um, we've, we don't read as many comic books Mm-hmm. as much and like all of the heat around the last jedi took like a lot out of us and i think it it le- well it left ian in particular with like <laughs> a really bad taste in his mouth for just just like media stuff and pop culture stuff just like the general twitter reaction a lot of the ways that people handled being upset or reacted mm-hmm. i did i also didn't even like the way that i handled sure. being so upset about it and it i think it made me recalibrate and refocus some of my energies and spread my interests out. I already had varied interest in things that I was into outside of comics and pop culture. So it made me kind of look into more of those things and mm-hmm. want to want that to seep into the podcast because we do have a lot of things that I think that we're interested in and that we could build a show around stuff that is always going to be in our wheelhouse. Yeah, and I felt... I felt the same way. Coming out of Last Jedi kind of made me look at fandom in a lot of different ways. I think I would have gone to bat for certain things a lot before The Last Jedi, but then The Last Jedi came out and I lost my mind. And then I saw other (laughs) fans losing their mind on the other side of my argument. And just that whole thing kind of made me sit back and go, oh, none of this matters. Yeah, I I was (laughs) like, what are we doing here? This is insane. I was going to say, like, listening to your shows, like, you guys have. To this day, you still have a lot of feelings about that movie. We I don't almost think... can't have a conversation at all, even like a conversation off the mic, because I think that Matt kind of feels one way and has a certain way that he goes about his Star Wars fandom. And I think that Paul and I have sort of <clears throat> changed the way that we interact with Star Wars. I've, I think I used to feel like, oh, well, there's all this other stuff in Star Wars, and I think I can I can see the good points in here and there. But now I'm starting to think that I'm only an original trilogy Star Wars fan. That's where I think I've come with it, is that yeah. that's the stuff that I like. And 
And I see some good things out there with the prequels and these new sequels. But really, I just like the original trilogy. Yeah, coming and like coming to grips with the the idea that that's okay, just mm-hmm. to be an original trilogy fan. Mm-hmm. And it's hard with Matt because uh, that's if if Matt calls you oh an original trilogy fan, it is just dripping with so much condescension. <laughs> and oh well, then you're not a real. Star Wars fan <laughs> and you know Matt and just fandom in general of Star Wars there's a lot of it that so long as it's Star Wars it's okay and it's like people have been brainwashed into not thinking they can be critical about a property that they love and I think if you love that property you absolutely should be critical of it but a lot of people are like hey it's Star Wars so it's good right and I'm and like the last Jedi being so polarizing, I'm like, did you see it? And then you still feel that way. And mm-hmm. you know, same with the prequels. There's just a lot of goofy stuff in the prequels too that yeah. people will still go to bat for. And it's like people can't look at it subjectively and just say this was not a good movie mm-hmm. or you know these are not good characters or story beats. And um, so dealing with all of this surrounding The Last Jedi and dealing with Matt on a week-to-week basis who is in the camp of, he'll get a little critical, but for the most part, if it's Star Wars, it's good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really pushed me into, oh, I do only like the original trilogy. Yeah. I kind of, I, I think I fall into that camp too where, like, that's kind of where my fandom ends. Like I, like you said, I, I like bits and pieces of the other stuff. It, you know, I'll, I'll probably always have a special place in my heart for star Wars in general, but yeah, I'm not going to go out and, you know, buy, you know, uh, hardback novels of, you know, the adventures of Poe Dameron or, you know, or stuff like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And there are people that, then there are people that grew up with the, the prequels, like mm-hmm. that's their star Wars, which I get, but at the same time, like I don't understand. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of where I'm just learning to say with a lot of different properties, maybe that's just not for me. Yeah. Maybe not get so worked up about it. And I think with the way that our podcast has, has evolved and the things that we want to explore, we did at the beginning of this year, and we've been talking about it for a long time, but at the beginning of this year, we dropped the comic book part of the McSauce comic book podcast. Mm-hmm. And now we're just, the iTunes artwork doesn't necessarily agree with that every time. <laughs> yeah. And after doing, you know, 200 plus episodes of McSauce Comic Book Podcast. I try to get that out of the intro every time, but like, I've have said it so much that it's hard to get out. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like every time I I do say it, Matt gives me a look like, haha. It's like it's just like gotcha. Just just muscle memory. Yeah. You know. So yeah. um. Well, so I mean, so what are you guys? Are you guys still reading anything, or do you still? I read things here and there. I, I do a lot of Marvel Unlimited. Okay. So I read either old stuff that I go back and revisit storylines. Like uh, I'm, I've been in the middle of the entire Jim Lee run on Uncanny X-Men. Mm. So I go back and read stuff that was my favorite or things, <laughs> things that were like too expensive for me that were on the, you know, at my local comic book shop, Phantom in the Attic. When I was younger, they had up on the wall, it was like all the high-priced items and you know, Spider-Man number one or these different X-Men issues that were drawn by Silvestri or Jim Lee. Mm-hmm. And I never had a chance to buy them or 
um, interact with them because I just didn't have that money. I had a certain amount in my allowance. So um, that's what I've been doing is going back and reading all those different storylines that I just didn't have the money to, to, to purchase back in the day. Um, so not a ton of new stuff. I still read Saga. I still read Paper Girls. I read Southern Bastards. A lot of okay. a lot of image stuff. Yeah. Um, but not so much Marvel or DC. I think the only DC book that I'm currently reading is um, Doomsday uh, Clock. Oh, okay. So and I've liked that, but that's it's sporadic. the only DC book you're reading. And that's a limited. Uh, white one. the I was I, I'm waiting on the whole White Knight. Um, to Curse come out of the, the White Knight. Curse of the White Knight to come out. Oh, but yeah. other than that, yeah, that's that. the only DC stuff. And Marvel is real sporadic. I read X-Men Red. I think that's about it, to be honest. None mm-hmm. of the new Spider-Man stuff has really caught my fancy. So, yeah, it's it's real, real sporadic right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm reading more um, on more of a regular basis. I still go to the shop every week. And I have a pull list normally. I'll get, you know, what, three to six books um b- but lately I'm, I'm like do i still want to be doing this like do <laughs> i do i want to keep doing this it, especially to that extent being that books are 3.99 a pop now right and there's some books where i feel like i'm just getting them out of habit or because i'm waiting for them to be better like uh and you're a completionist paul needs oh, to collect them all he it's, can't stand not to have everything I've, I've i've suffered from that that particular ailment something has to be straight up bad for me <laughs> to just put down the tom king uh michael janine run on batman bad enough to just stop uh mm-hmm. heroes in crisis was bad enough to just stop yeah um but this current bend is superman and action comics run they're not bad I feel like some issues are highs and lows, and it's, I don't want to say middling enough because that sounds more negative than I mean it, but it's decent enough that I don't want to drop it, and I'm kind of interested in this Leviathan stuff. I mm. got the event Leviathan one yeah. shot, and it was, it it was, was cool. In, it was interesting. Um, I, but I don't, I don't really know how, so for years, and I know, Ian, you've heard me say for years, I like... Superman doing, like, I don't necessarily want him out in space. I like him and Green Lantern in Metropolis and Coast City doing, like, on Earth, Earth-saving heroism. Mm-hmm. Saving cats. Maybe, maybe a couple <laughs> a of level up, A, a yeah. level up from cats. <laughs> maybe it's like, you know, if a lion escaped from the zoo. Oh, calling <laughs> Superman. So, I don't, like, I, I like my heroes, like, working in home base. But, like, this Leviathan run is kind of cloak and dagger and I don't... So it is home base, but I, it might be too home base because I don't know how Superman is going to work. You like second base, not home base. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows I'm a third base guy. <laughs> so, like, I don't know how this is going to work. I feel like it, that kind of stuff worked great for um, Ed Brubaker's Winter Soldier run. Yeah. But I don't know how much, how well Cloak and Dagger is going to work for Superman. It seems like the supporting cast has a lot more to do than Superman does. Right. But if I'm getting a Superman book, I want it to be about Superman. You want Superman, yeah. Not Lois and Sam Lane and right. the Question and you know these new characters. But it's been fine. Um, I'd like to I'd like to start pulling away from from the stuff that I'm really not enjoying, and I have to an extent. 
But there's books like um, Gideon Falls that is bonkers. And it's so weird, but I love it. Um, Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn's Ascender has been really cool. Uh, their Descender run was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Ascender's been, been cool. So there's some weirdo books out there that I really enjoy getting, and I get them, and I like reading them. I really like Amazing Spider-Man. I forget who said it on Comic Book Pit, but they were not happy with with Amazing lately. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who that would have been. I'm not sure who of us is still reading Amazing. It could have been Jared. Um, I'm I'm so far behind on Amazing. It's not. Even, I mean, I I think I read the first arc, and I haven't. Uh, I've got the issues. I just haven't. Yeah. You know. Nick Spencer gets a little wordy, but it's been a fun book to read. It feels just like a fun Spider-Man I, book. I really enjoyed. Uh, I I think I'm. Uh, Nick Spencer is hit or miss with me, but I really enjoyed the uh, the series he did, the uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man. That oh, he did with I think Steve I remember Lieber. that. Yeah, that was hands down one of my favorite, like Spider-Man slash non-Spider-Man series, and uh, it just it was just perfect in, in in every every capacity. But um, what yeah. kind of stuff have you been reading, Dan? Oh boy. Um, Probably a lot of the same stuff that you guys are reading. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of into the, the uh, Bendis experiment with Superman, mm-hmm. with uh, you know Superman in action, and and kind of for the same reason, um, you know, like uh, similar to what Paul was saying, like, uh, you know, he, there are certain characters that he writes that make sense because he's a very grounded writer. He does a lot of street level stuff. So when he does characters that are larger than that. It's kind of an interesting, you know, he, he can do it, but sometimes it's, like I said, it's more like an interesting experiment. So I'm kind of still riding that that out to see um, how it goes. It's, I've, I've been enjoying it so far. Like And again, like Paul said, there's been like peaks and valleys um, with that. Um, uh, I'm pretty much just hate reading Batman right now. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying Dan, to... Dan, get out. I... I, w- I want to, but I'm 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 gonna ri- I'm gonna ride out Tom King's run because I still. Um, Since I'm a guest, I'm not gonna call you a big dummy. Oh please, Dan, you're a big dummy. A Get big out dummy. now. The longer you keep buying those books, the longer they're gonna be like, hey, people are buying this. Let's keep him on it. Wasn't well, Tom King? He's stepping away from Batman yeah. soon, yeah. right? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's yeah. why. And he's. I think they're letting him complete his. His like the story he intended to tell in the main Batman series, they're letting him finish it in this. Uh, it's like a Batman Catwoman limited mm-hmm. series. I, I think it's limited. I don't know. Um, oh, and then he's also, I guess he's also gonna be taking time to. I think he's writing, he's co-writing the um, New Gods movie. Oh yeah, that's. I did hear that. That yeah. was the next thing that he was gonna do. Now, like. Do we like anything that Tom King has done? I've no. Like I've read the No, hard no. I, his I, his I run do. on Vision was okay. See, I but that I really liked. And, and this was before he became Tom King. He was still just just the, you know, a, a relative unknown as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't on any high profile books yet. Um I really enjoyed his that Vision 12 issue series. It was very creepy. And I don't know. I liked it, and 
I only read the first couple issues of Mr. Miracle, but I mean, Mr. Miracle got critical acclaim. It, I think, won multiple awards. Um, again, it's a collection I have that I have, I have not gotten to read yet. I read but, um, Mr. Miracle. It was it was cool, but it didn't really feel like any kind of a superhero book, which was fine yeah. with me because I've kind of been gravitating away from just traditional superhero stuff. Um, well, I, I, th- I think I he know, likes. All right. I think he likes telling non-traditional superhero stories. Yeah. Um, I I tried reading his. Um, I didn't realize that he did. Uh, he did that Omega Men. Mm-hmm. Um, limit like a twelve issue series. Um, I found that really cheap somewhere, so I s- I'm like, oh, I'm just going to try this. See how old con- Tom King compares with new Tom King. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Classic Coke versus New Coke. I don't know, but it, it, the first issue was really like incomprehensible. Yeah. So I don't know if I. I mean, I don't. Know, I, I, I guess it's hard to tell. It's like it's like a tale of two Tom Kings. I mean, the vision, <coughs> the vision book and the Mister Miracle book. I didn't read either one of them, but from what I've heard, they sounded like such off the wall concepts that that's why they work. And mm-hmm. you can do that with Vision and Mr. Miracle. Because no one gives a shit yeah, about right, Vision right. and Mr. Miracle. Right. Yeah. They're, they're you know, s- B or C level characters at best. It's sort of like with the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. James Gunn could kind of do whatever he wanted because mm-hmm. the only person that ever cared about Guardians is sitting right here. Nobody else has ever <laughs> read that book. Nobody knows. I was a longtime reader. I, I oh, admit, okay. I stand I corrected. Will, I, I will admit, I will admit, I really love the. Uh, well, I, I I wasn't so much a fan of the uh, when the '90s when Jim Valentino was was doing it, but the uh, the later years when uh, Abnett and Lanning took that book over after the Annihilation. Oh event. yeah, that that run on Guardians, and they were concurrently <laughs> writing Nova. Yes. And oh my God, both Nova. of those books together were so incredibly I good. I tried getting into that Marvel space, man. Something about well, it just snooze a ruse. Okay, wait. So did. Did you read Annihilation? I started reading Annihilation. I think I got three issues in, and then I was like, eh, I think I don't that's know the key this is for me. Because I, I'm, I'm with you, Ian. I do not like cosmic stuff mm-hmm. at all. But I kept hearing how great Annihilation was. So I'm like, fine, I'm going to read it. From you. <laughs> this was years before I was, uh, before I met the, met you guys. Um, no, I, I, I uh, kept hearing how great this was. So I'm like, okay, fine, I'll pick up the first book. I could not put it down. Yeah. And and then that spun off Guardians, Nova. I feel like it spun something else off too, but those were the two big books that spun oh, out of was, uh, uh, Annihilation. So in Realm of Kings? I feel like that came later. Like yeah, after, maybe it did. Yeah, I think that came later. But as, but, um, as far as like uh, ongoing series, uh, Guardians and Nova were probably the two best books that, that spun out of but the uh the the first annihilation event was really good i they did a follow-up called annihilation conquest did, did you read that paul yeah but i don't remember a whole lot about it yeah i i think it was mostly unforgettable i think they just tried to like cash in on the popularity or, or the you know the, the critical claim of annihilation and it was just more of the same but um i would definitely try if you could if if you try annihilation again I, I think you might it might sway you a little bit yeah that is what's good about having a marvel unlimited account yes. is that 
I can take multiple swings at the yeah. uh, stuff. Is that, that stuff available? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have uh, Marvel Unlimited is really robust. They have almost everything that that I ever wanted. Every time I go on there, there's mm-hmm. not some blank space where I'm like, oh, I wish it had this issue. They have entire runs. Yep. They have entire volumes. I like every X Men comic that I've ever looked up yep. has been there. Every Spider Man book. I went back and read um, Eric Larson's entire run on Amazing Spider Man recently. So. How was it? It's good. Held up. I think older Eric Larson's illustration work is superior to his current stuff just because uh, you can tell. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you can tell where he's just he he just starts getting lazy with inking his own work and mm-hmm. it's not as tight and it's like oh well I'll finish this up I'll clean it up whenever I actually do the inks and you can see a big drop off on yeah. that his new Savage Dragon stuff as right. opposed to his original Amazing Spider-Man work. Well, you know, I mean, working for Marvel, I mean, he was under probably editorial control mm-hmm. you know he was probably being not told like clean larson clean this up you know but but that's probably what needed to happen yeah exactly yeah. you know that's why you know so he, he goes and he, you know he does his own thing there's no one there's no boss yeah he spent 30 years doing whatever he wanted to do and i really think that it shows in savage dragon i still from yeah. time to time I, I was a big eric larson and savage dragon fan back in the 90s so from time to time i'll pick up a savage dragon book or something and, and try to read it i think that yeah. one thing that's cool about savage dragon is that the characters age in real time so at mm-hmm. this point it's been 30 years the star of the show is uh, the Savage Dragon Sun. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a sun, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that's a really cool way to do this long-form storytelling, but the stories are wacky. The art's not all that great. Credit to him for hanging in there and sticking with his creation. He's one of the only guys that's still doing it yeah. from that image era, but I don't know yeah, if the quality much. of the work is still <laughs> up to snuff. Maybe somebody yeah. else needs to take a crack at it. <laughs> I doubt that he'll ever let anybody take a crack at it. No, but probably not. Is is the original Savage Dragon is he dead? I believe he is dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe yeah. he is dead. I only pick up maybe an issue here or there, and I do the same thing with Spawn. I go back and I'll find like, oh, it's you know, it's hitting a milestone. Maybe I'll pick up this issue, or oh, uh, Todd McFarlane's gonna be back on to do like some inks on this book or something. I'll pick it up and check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll do that with a couple of the original image creators that are still out there making books but yeah other than that you know mm-hmm. n- nothing nothing really else from that that type of superhero like old 90s superhero thing um, i just think that my taste in comics has changed so much um and we talk about this on our show we have talked about this on our show in the past mm-hmm. i think that um, matt and not you know, matt wants to he wants to go back to that 90s era of superheroes, and mm-hmm. he wants new books to feel like it was in the 90s, uh, <laughs> where I just, I don't know, I don't really have that same kind of thought about it anymore. You guys still have a lot of juice for all those 90s books, because those were your formative years. That's yeah. where sentimentality thrives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like all the old stuff, but I, I don't think that I need to see new stuff in that vein like it just isn't i've i've been there i've read all that stuff it it just doesn't really hit the sweet spot for me anymore Mm -hmm. so i want something new and different i'm kind of the same way i um so i also subscribe to the the dc universe yeah how is that i keep going back and forth if i want to get that if it has enough stuff it really it has 
subs- uh, improved substantially yeah. since it first came out. Um, the They um, added like t- 20 or 25,000 new comics mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like when they first uh, opened shop if, as you were like they, they would do weird things like oh here's the first issue of the Dark Knight Returns. That's it. Like there was like not one through four. Here's issue one, or here's here's the first three issues of uh, uh, Jonah Hex All Star Western from New Fifty Two. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. You know, they, they would just throw up just random just stuff. Well, now they have like entire runs of uh, great books, um, just a lot more stuff. So like I was rereading the old um, uh, Justice League from the eighties. The uh, Keith Giffen, uh, J.M. DeMatteis, uh, Kevin McGuire stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like my favorite run of Justice League. But um, they also have, because they own Wildstorm, they have all of the 90s Wildcats. That's cool. I've been looking for some place like yeah. that would have those available. And it's just like the first, like I don't know, 10 or 12 issues. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like the Jim Lee stuff. Like, do you yeah. need more than 12 issues of Wildcats? You do not. Well, <laughs> well, Wildcats um, in a lot of the image books went through some some drastic changes about a year or a year and a half into their runs where they started to get a lot of criticism because <laughs> some of these artists couldn't write at all. So at that point, after they've been around for about a year and a half, that's when they started bringing in mm-hmm. different writers and they brought in... Um, I think Wildcats had Alan Moore come in and write an entire. Yeah, he did like uh, a, like an arc, I think. Yeah, and I never, I think I, I bailed out on Wildcats before that happened. So I always wanted to go back and read Alan Moore's take on Wildcats, mm-hmm. but I haven't ever been able to find it. Spawn did a similar thing where he had a bunch of different guest writers come yeah, in and like kind of punch Gaiman up. And mm-hmm. I think Grant Morrison yeah. came in and did some stuff. So yeah, um, Frank Miller came mm-hmm. in and did some. So there is some kind of merit to reading some of those old books. I'll, yeah, actually, sure. I, I'll, I'll tell you what's really surpri- a surprising read, and and I, I think it's only collected in that weird, uh, like, off-brand publisher called, like, Checker. Hmm. It's it, they, they collected the uh, two volumes of Alan Moore's Supreme. Yeah, that's another one that I'd like to check out, because that. I read the first, like, you know, gold foil stamp cover of Supreme, and then <laughs> that was it. Yeah, those are surprisingly good. Like, yeah. uh, like you would you would not put the word supreme and like the character supreme and the word good together, but <laughs> these uh, these were really good stories. I don't think I know what supreme is. I think I always confuse that with it's, supreme uh, power. No, nah, it's supreme was was uh, Rob Liefeld's like Superman analog. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know of. what that is. But it was like he was an older. It was like he had. He was gone for like many years or something, mm-hmm. and then he came back because he's like older. He has white hair, and um, but they started telling. Rob Liefeld loved some old white-haired men back in the nineties. <laughs> like half of his yep. characters were grizzled white. He had like a uh, Clint Eastwood fetish or something. I guess he still does it, judging by some of the the um, the covers of. Uh, I don't know if you've been following along with uh, Major X. That I looks mean, like some of the stupidest stuff that I've ever seen. How is that selling? Have you I, read it? Like, I have not read it. I refuse to read it because it looks just like 
hot garbage. It's he, part of it all the X Men stuff. It's uninspired. Right? It's it's part of the X universe, but I don't think it's part of the the restructuring that's going on with that, Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, I think yeah, it's no. just like outside. I, I think they're just letting Rob do his thing. Yeah, it's like a life out universe kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm. And and Major X just looks like I said, just it's uninspired. It looks like the worst '90s schlock ever. Yeah. Props to Liefeld for, you know, having so much fun doing some of oh, this yeah. stuff. And he seems like a semi nice guy. Anytime that I've seen, I know, um, I recently talked to a friend of ours, DJ, that had a pretty bad Rob Liefeld story. Matt has a bad Rob Liefeld story, but, but Matt's Rob Liefeld story has a happy ending. <laughs> oh, does it now? <laughs> <laughs> that's how awesome of a dude Rob Liefeld is. But, um, you know, whenever I, I ran into him and talked to him a few times, he was always pretty nice to me. And he seems to genuinely, like, have fun doing comic art yeah. for as much as people dump on him on the Internet. Like, if I got that amount of hate for my art, I yeah. would never post <laughs> ever again. I would, Yeah, I would have quit 20 times by now. Yeah, if so, one person comments and is like, eh, it looks a little weird, Ian. I'm yeah. like, oh. <laughs> well, he, um, he, yeah, he's one of those guys, like, I, I think we've probably had, like, multiple conversations about him over the years on our show, but he's one of those guys that's like, yeah, I can't get behind his art, but he just, he clearly has a true, like, just a deep love of comics. Yeah. Of all things comics, and, 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 and that comes through, I mean, with, I mean, he just has this excitement about him about you know like his anything he, he talks about anything he posts i mean he's just always like an, an up and positive guy he never really seems out to like as, as as many haters as there are out there and i think there are quite a few um he's not he's not out to get anybody mm-hmm. as far as i could tell um i wouldn't say i have a story but i i mean i i met him at the first um the first wizard world pittsburgh and I took him my copy. Um, I have a copy of the uh, first appearance of Cable, mm-hmm. and he was great. He had like he we had a uh, he was like excited to see it because he was like, oh man, the colors on this cover are really they really pop. He's like, let me tell you what happened with this with this print run, and, and he's telling this story about like you know printers and colors and how this orange turned brown and how this and and he was really excited to sign this really nice copy of. New Mutants 87 or whatever the, whatever number it was, 86, I forget. But, um, yeah, he was real nice. And I was like, hey, can I get a picture with you? And he's like, yeah, sure. And, you know. I've heard uh, a similar story about, I think it's Spider-Man number 16, whenever they had that crossover with X-Force mm-hmm. and the issue of X-Force that he drew. I forget what number that is. Um, but the, the issue that crossed over, I think it was the, the – uh, three of three in that crossover and there was something with the colorist was using a different color chart than industry standard so if you look at that and i'll have to dig up which number it is but you mm-hmm. can tell when you look at it the colors look bananas because they're all they're like all off and hyper vibrant mm-hmm. and it's definitely not like you could tell that it like somebody goofed up and did not use the correct chart so they look like a Snyder Coppola issue of Batman. (laughs) Shots fired. I'll show you, man. It does like when with knowing what we know about like it being wrong and it being like one or two Pantone colors off, you can really tell that it's jacked. Yeah. uh, 
I when Matt finally got his commission from Rob Liefeld, you know, we we talked to him for a little bit and he was very open and genuine and like he was a he's just a really cool guy and he seems very interested in the process like you said Dan and mm-hmm. doing the artwork and you know I mean he loves that his characters are getting live action play between you know Deadpool and mm-hmm. some of the Hawk and Dove stuff from uh DC yeah. DC universe um I wonder if I would get tired of if I was Rob Liefeld, if I would get tired of Deadpool at this point. I don't know. I think that Deadpool has financed many a home for him <laughs> and really changed yeah. his life in ways that we can't even imagine. Oh, I, I get it. But the the excitement he still has for promoting Deadpool stuff and you know, posting Deadpool stuff. Like, like I think I would be very much appreciative, appreci- appreciative that, that works. of what Deadpool <laughs> gave to my life. But at the same time, like, I don't know if I'd still have the same kind of excitement so for it. So would you say he's like a modern-day Stan Lee? Because Stan Lee was like, I mean, for how many years, 50 years that he shill for Marvel, I mean, he was always the company guy. Mm-hmm. He was always like, oh, Marvel is the best. Uh, always read Marvel Is that your Stan Lee? It, that's, that's it sounds like Stan Lee from the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> from the grave? Or, yeah, yeah. Or it's what that's current my, Stan my, Lee sounds like. My, reincarnated. That's, that's my, yeah, that's my poor impression of Stan Lee. I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't know if he's... Because it's more self-promotion than company promotion. I guess yeah. Stan Lee was Marvel and the two were inseparable mm-hmm. for decades but rob liefeld's thing is always like and, and it's even more narrow than stanley because stanley is just like you know marvelous marvel everything blah 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 right. where liefeld's kind of like i really like deadpool this character is is the one mm-hmm. and and you know he's like oh, i created cable but it, there's it's not the same heat as deadpool deadpool's always on his instagram he's always doing commissions of deadpool that's the one so I mean, I, I guess it's like Deadpool. I mean, yes, he created Deadpool. I mean, it, it's like one of his children. I mean, he he's always going to be associated with that character. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess it's either like, well, I might as well just lean into it. I mean, because otherwise, what else does he have? I like it. I mean, I appreciate his enthusiasm for these characters because I can – it's the same way I – it's – Sort of in the same ballpark as how I feel about um, Radiohead refusing to play Creep. That <laughs> okay. gave you your career. You play that goddamn song every night. Every night you should be playing that goddamn song. So mm. if, if or Rob like Liefeld would just dismiss Deadpool, that would probably make me make me irritated well, because like, you don't have a like, like, you don't have this life without Deadpool. You draw Deadpool every night. <laughs> In the same vein, don't the Counting Crows play Mr. Jones, but it's like some no. completely different, like it doesn't sound recognizable. We have a, we have a story about that. We went yeah. to see Counting Crows a couple of years ago. Me and oh, my wife. Lay it on me. I love live Counting Crows talk. And uh, my, my cousin, we went to see Counting Crows down at Stage AE, and I like a lot of Counting Crows songs, but I wanted to hear Mr. Jones. We got We stayed until the bitter end. They did not play it. Ugh. It was and and I don't know. Did I they come out for an encore and still no, not play it? 
Oh, they, oh, oh they, no, no, they, they did. They did. No, I'm sorry. They, they yeah. did. I'm pretty sure they did come out for an encore, and no, Mr. Jones. Oh boy. And I feel like they even might have mentioned like, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to my, my wife's actually here. Did they even say like we're not playing Mr. Jones? There were like fights, yeah. And fights in the crowd at a Counting like, Crows like concert in, in, in like the pit. What year was this? This was just two like. What two dimension was this? <laughs> and he kept like stopping the show, saying like, "What are you assholes doing fighting?" He kept calling it like a folk show, or like, like what do you? Yeah, I what? mean, yeah, it's I mean, definitely more folk than like agro rock. <laughs> but, <I'm, laughs> like, but he's but he kept stopping the show and like yelling at people and yeah and yeah and then finally like we didn't hear Mr. Jones until we actually got back to the car and I put it on Spotify. Yeah. Like I have to hear Mr. Jones. Do you think not hearing Mr. Jones was punishment to the crowd because of all their all their acting up at a folk show? <laughs> I I think they had I I feel like they 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 had zero intention of playing Mr. Jones. Mm-hmm. And that that's not right. I um I've seen Counting Crows twice and they were and I I I am a Counting Crows fan. I own you played Hard Candy when we worked together at Dorrance nonstop. I can't it's listen to their that, best work. That album or the Jewel album with Standing Still. You played those things <laughs> into the ground. <clears throat> those are Two really good albums. Uh, yeah, Hard Candy is my favorite Counting Crows album. Um, but I saw them, it must have been 90, 96, 97. Uh, I think it must have been for the Recovering the Satellites tour. Mm. And I was so excited to go and see them. But then once we're there, they're, they're playing things in different keys. He's singing all the melodies different. Like, you could hear the album version in there but everything was so different like it was so disappointing but the second time i saw counting crows was like one of the first shows for the hard candy tour and it was perfect it was flawless Mm -hmm. it was they were these pristine live versions of those songs on the album Mm -hmm. and i think it's because it was so new they didn't have time to screw it up yet. <laughs> they weren't comfortable going off book with these songs. But just based on that first show and mm-hmm. hearing other people's reviews of Counting Crows shows where they just kind of go rogue, like I don't think I'll ever see them again. I can't imagine ever going to see them again. Yeah. So that would be like if Rob Liefeld drew an issue of Deadpool and it was like a sensible romantic comedy or something like that. Or, or, the, or the anatomy was correct. Oh, <laughs> oh or shots. he just decided, you know what? I'm changing his costume. After yeah. 25 yeah. plus years of Deadpool, he looks like this now. No mask, super handsome. <laughs> <laughs> looks weirdly like Ryan Reynolds, you know. <laughs> Man, he loves Ryan Reynolds and, and Josh Brolin. Granted, those guys brought his characters to life for a oh, yeah. larger part of the population that ever would have known them from comic books. Mm. But, man, you'd think that those three are just hanging out and bumming around together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, that, that he is he is as much Deadpool as, you know, I mean, without Deadpool, like, what does he have? You know what I mean? I mean, or Cable. Some big I mean, Captain America titties. 
<laughs> busty. Wait, <he's, laughs> what, okay, America's wait, bust. <laughs> okay, let me let me rephrase. What 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 positive thing does he have? You know, yeah. you, everything everything else that is associated with his name is usually like negative as far as like his drawing and you know his his uh, lack of uh, you know originality. I mean, so many of his his characters and, and <clears throat> so much of his art is just like just just repetitive yeah you know so and i think that's a whole reason why he can crank out so many different characters i mean major x is is it feels like it was a copy and paste exercise and he just was like all right well we'll grab this head and put an x on here the gun belts and mm -hmm. voila your new favorite character and that's kind of his approach all through the 90s with creating characters, and I guess that's how you get so many characters out there, is you just have templates that you mix and match. Yeah. Does he have another long-lasting comic book character that's positive because it's Deadpool, Cable, and then, like, did he create anyone else that has had, like, positive-lasting like effect that's still a respected member of the comic character community? I feel like the next, like the, the next thing he has that is truly his own is Youngblood. Yeah, but, but Youngblood is... But that's, that, that's not like a household name. No, and it's gone through so many different iterations, and they've changed Youngblood so many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that as a property, it was all... Like, it was collected, but I don't know if it was well-liked. I collected Youngblood for a long time. I can only tell you that it was like knockoff X-Force. Yeah. And that chapel... Spoilers killed Al Simmons and created Spawn. Is it right. Young Blood what Shatterstar looks like? No, um, I mean I guess Shaft, the leader, the, sort of has he has red hair. I mean, oh, Young Blood's a team, not yeah. the character. Yeah, and uh, gotcha. Young Blood is also a 1980s hockey movie. That was a yes, great movie. Yes, it is. I love that movie. Um. There was a character, I forget what his name was, but he was sort of like a knockoff Deadpool character in Youngblood. He was he was like a blue and white version of Deadpool. I forget what that dude's name was, though. Um, oh, man. I mean, so many of those characters yeah, like guy. run together. You know? Yeah. And, and, and he made so many... I mean, uh, you know, it, it's almost like the, uh, the, the print was barely dry on Youngblood number one before he came out with, like, Brigade and Bloodstrike, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and, and they were all, they were all part of like the young blood, the extreme universe. universe. Yeah, yeah, because all those guys they formed Image, and then they were like, "Well, we're making all this money. Why don't I create my like I have my own studio? Why don't I make my own mm -hmm. interconnected worlds within right. my studio? Even though the greater Image was supposed to connect together." anyway um but yeah those guys they just got so famous they had so much power they had so much influence mm -hmm. that they just went out and created um jim lee and um wills Protasio made homage studios yep. mark Silvestri, silvestri had his own studio yeah, todd mcfarlane did his thing um mm -hmm. todd mcfarlane didn't really bring in a ton like he didn't really branch his universes out all no. that much like those other guys did he um, made his money as like he went uh, kind of the the a different route where he uh, went to action figures and mm -hmm. sports memorabilia. I mean, he really like his, his McFarlane toys. I mean, it sounds like I, I never collected any of them, but I mean, I remember them and I, I do have friends that 
did collect them. And Man, I collected a ton of McFarlane toys because that was right in the peak time of me working at Toys R Us. So I'm walking around oh, cleaning okay. the aisles every day, and I'm like, oh, this is coolest stuff. Todd McFarlane is my favorite comic book artist. So I would get, yeah. I would, I'd get the. There was a line of Metal Gear Solid toys that I got a couple of things. I had a bunch of Spawn toys that sat around my house for a long time. A lot of those like horror type. I mean, it's I had a, Edward Scissorhands one from that horror line, so yeah. So yeah, I, I still like, have a, a Sleepy Hollow Headless Horseman floating around somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like from all, for all intents and purposes, he kind of, his company at least, kind of revolutionized like that, like the, the action figures is like being like really hyper detailed and, you know, not being so much action figures like you play with, but action figures in that... Oh, I'm going to put this on my shelf and look at it. And it's going yeah. to look pretty. It extended the life and the range of who was buying these toys at, at the stores and also mm-hmm. how they could sell them directly to comic book stores now where they weren't just toys. They were, mm-hmm. you know, mini, st- mini were affordable statues. Yeah, all these collectibles. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the Spawn universe kind of, you know, that kind of, I mean, they, he did do a lot. He, you know, there were spinoffs and, stuff like that but uh yeah i feel like he really did a bulk of his business you know he went outside of comics yeah for that so i I feel like that was i I feel like he was the only one that really did that i feel like everyone else kind of stayed in comics and tried to you know make their mark but park me is upset that i missed all of that 90s comic stuff and another part of me is just really happy that I missed all of it. <laughs> it was exciting, man. Like, there was never... And, and I can say, just coming in, like, that's whenever I started reading. It was about maybe a year or two before the guys jumped ship from Image. And just knowing that all of your favorite creators were going to go do this, in my eyes, this, like, a little bit more mature version of some of the things that they were already doing at marvel was Mm -hmm. was it was completely exciting to me and to see these characters kind of branch out and it was new and it was different and you could still have your x-men and your spider-man they're still great artists drawing those books and great writers on those books so you you just got more um more different comics and it was it was awesome. Like I can see why those guys were rock stars back then, and there was never, there's mm. never gonna be like that ever no. again. Like nowadays, you can have, you have more connection to these guys. You get to see their personalities a little bit more on a day-to-day basis with Twitter and Instagram. Mm. But, and maybe that takes away a little bit of the mystique of like the larger-than-life right pulling back persona. the curtain and seeing how the sausage is made. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, I would ag- I, I would agree with with everything. Love sausage being made, <laughs> with big sausage being made, guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, part part of that for me, for um, I had been reading comics for like yeah, say like five or six years, and and yeah, I, I loved all the stuff I've been reading. You know, the Avengers, the X Men, Spider Man, Batman, you know, all this stuff that, but you know, all this stuff had been around since the '60s or older. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like so while. I loved reading that stuff. When Image came out, it was like, okay, this is my chance to get in on the ground floor, as opposed to, you know, yeah, yeah, I love all these characters and all these properties that Marvel and DC put out, but, but, uh, you know, they've been around for, for you know, whatever, forty years or whatever, and um, 
or 30, 40 years. So this was my chance, or in a lot of people, like I feel like this was my chance to, like, to get this number one and to um, you know have it mean something, either like financially or you know just like mean something from a collecting point of view. Like, wow, this is great. I'm you know, and um, yeah, it kind of didn't really work out that way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it was still fun, but you know, then they started they started uh, like just diluting the you know everything with every number one that came out because then you're starting to get like the second and third wave image creators you know um uh shaman's tears and <laughs> i have that tribe <laughs> gold foiled stamp yeah. but both of those i yeah. have so i had yeah. all that stuff man i was a complete image sucker i was for too. every single thing wild star do you remember that yes, guy that was jerry ordway right yeah and some of the stuff was really good and some of the stuff just was terrible no, <laughs> danger like, girl and gen 13 and were, stuff were, like that were those j scott campbell joints but yeah both of those yes. are j scott campbell yeah and 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 some of them went you know uh, created a fan base and some of them went a little longer like gen 13 i felt like had a little bit more longevity same with danger girl mm-hmm. um because they you know that kind of ushered in like the whole or w- i shouldn't say ushered in it was part of the whole um good girl or bad girl, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you know, comics. Cause then you had like other companies. They did like, you had like lady death and, you know, Vampirella and all these, you know, it was the, the time of like the sexy bad girl comics. Cause you, you could know? get away with that stuff. Now you had a direct market that you could sell to comic book fans were a little bit like you were, you were selling to teenagers and, people in their 20s at that time Mm -hmm. and you didn't necessarily need the comics code to approve any of that stuff so you could get away with lady deaths like i mean her whole stick was that she was dead and had giant boobs and that was about (laughs) it that's all i know about her and i feel like that's all i need to know was was dawn a around that time i yeah yeah, dawn was around that time i would lump dawn in with all of that Mm -hmm. sort of bad girl good girl comic stuff yeah Filth. <laughs> Just pure filth. I know. We won't stand for it no, here. That's right. Not, not this is, my, this is the part of those 90s books that I'm upset that I missed. <laughs> <laughs> my browser history would probably look wildly different right now if I was into that back then. Because by the time I read Dawn for the first time, I was like, this is so corny. Like, this <laughs> is so dumb. Like, I. All the art looks great. You need to read it through the prism of a 12-year-old boy. My man can draw some breasts. (laughs) But that book was hot trash. Yeah, it was not very good. Yeah, a lot of it, like I said, a lot of it was great to look at, terrible to read. But there was a market for all that different stuff because people people just wanted something different and Mm -hmm. edgy. And that's, that's what the 90s were all about. You know, extreme, edge, raw, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, uh, well, I, I, I mean, the 90s are, I mean, just in general, the 90s are sort of coming back. So thank I, God. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, hopefully the, you know, that that era of 90s comics doesn't return with it. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. What what kind of things? What are you seeing on the horizon that is signifying as uh, the? Are you seeing more flannel around? Or are you seeing a? 
I don't know. I feel like, uh, I mean, 90s music is definitely making a making a return. You think so? I See, I'm bad at this because it's never left for me. <laughs> That's the stations that I listen yeah. to, my Spotify playlists. Um, I don't listen to a lot of terrestrial radio, so I don't mm. know what's really on, except for what? When, when my wife plays Kiss, and it's the same five <laughs> Ariana Grande songs over <laughs> and over again. Well, I think just, the, just the, the, the general like zeitgeist of people that you find, like you said, you find more people... Um, making 90s playlists or like like we listen to the 90s station on uh, XM or mm-hmm. like um, the other XM station is called Lithium which is all 90s like alternative and grunge mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm, I'm you guys are not 40 yet right? <coughs> yes. You are? Mm-hmm. Paul? I'm on the edge. You're on the edge. Okay. This, so uh, this July will be my last birthday in the 30s. So. Oh okay. Okay. Hanging on for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm about five and a half years older than you guys. So I was more of like an 80s kid. Mm-hmm. And then when I grew up in then in the I was in my 20s in the 90s and I worked at a record store in from like 94 to 96. So I have almost like a love hate relationship with the 90s mm-hmm. as far as like music goes, uh, because I discovered a lot of amazing stuff. And then, similar to comics, there's a lot of garbage out there, too. Um, Even the band, Garbage. Literally, there's a lot of garbage out there. (laughs) Dan, I, too, have a love-hate relationship with 90s music, and that was my high school wheelhouse. But going back to a lot of it now, I'm like, ugh. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe I listened to this album every day Mm -hmm. and enjoyed it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that, upon further reflection, doesn't have the staying power that I thought it did less so than and when we talked about it on uh, we had a podcast where we talked about if you could listen to not a whole chunk of a decade of music. If you had to go on an island, you can only listen to, like, say, a five year block of music. And that's all, the only music that you had, because in my opinion, I think that music changes every like every five years. The early 90s is not the same as the late 90s. Yeah, so that's why we split it that. like that. Yeah. And we were talking about it and. I thought I was going to land on like, oh, of course, somewhere in the 90s, early 90s, mid 90s. But the more we talked it out, I think it's like the mid 2000s, like 2008 and in a little bit later than that. That's the stuff that I still listen to today has more staying power. I think that the music of that era mm-hmm. is just a more more refined, honestly. Yeah, we both thought <clears throat> um, front or back 90s were going to be a slam dunk is the answer to that question. And <laughs> everyone that replied had the like, same thought about it. And but yeah, but every but everyone picked like early 90s. Yeah. Like far and away the most popular answer that we got from that episode was early 90s. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to shake everyone and be like go back and listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I wanted and to then, be like <laughs> and then read this out. This. <laughs> but yeah, early 2000s is like it it had just such a wide variety of everything like it, it just seemed like a, a, a more well-rounded um five years of what music was offering because in the early 90s you got you know you had grunge and like hip-hop mm-hmm. and it seems like and yeah there were a lot of other things you know in there too but it everything swing like, music 
Oh wow! Big yeah. band. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. So early. So yeah. Um, early '90s, like, well, in, and late '90s, I I still like a lot of stuff, but a lot of it, I'm just I I can't listen to it anymore. And like people, they still go back and they're like, oh, Alice in Chains' "Dirt" is my favorite album. I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. There are definitely certain yeah certain albums that I could not go back. And listen to from beginning to end. Like there, sometimes I'll hear a song. I'll be like, oh, it'll, you know, it'll take take me back. And yeah, that's about that's that's good enough for me. You know, I don't need to, you know, like dive in, like do a deep dive into '90s, you know, grunge and you know, because it's like I could, it's like that was that was my formative years. That was like my early 20s. That's when everyone was wearing a, a, a you know flannel shirt around their waist and boots and you know, multiple beaded necklaces and I can't wait for it to come back in the fall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to come back. <laughs> Though well, uh later la- later this month, um I will be seeing uh Hootie and the Blowfish and Bare Naked Ladies for the twenty five year anniversary of Crack Rearview. Uh we are also going to that show. Get your flannels out, wrap them around, and head down <laughs> there to see it. Well, like that yeah. album, I think still holds up pretty good because yeah. it's just—it's it just a rock album. Yeah, it came out in the early '90s, so like it gets grouped with the early '90s, but it's just a it was, standard well, was, rock album. It, well, yeah, it was more—it was more mid. It was more mid than than early. Came out in '93. Did it? '94. I think because Nine, no, I think it was like '94. Yeah, and then Fairweather Johnson was ninety five. I'm, I'm only going to say that because uh, I I was working at the record store, I was working at Camelot Music when it was first released. We literally had like three copies of it, mm-hmm. and then after it started getting a lot of airplay, next thing you know, we had like twenty five copies of it in the store at all times, and we could not keep it in the store. Yeah, yeah ninety four was Crack Review, and ninety six was Fairweather Johnson. Okay, Fairweather Johnson, I love that album. I, yeah. I, I barely remember it. Really? Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. Maybe Have you it was heard musical chairs? Yeah. Eh. What? Yeah. It's su- it's superior to both of those albums. It's like they took everything they learned from those first two albums mm-hmm. and made one really good album. Uh, okay. Now I have to show my ignorance here. When did that come out? Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Because <laughs> I've not kept up with uh, Hootie or the Blowfish, and I, I, all I know is I, I know that Darius Rucker has like more of a country career now, like a solo. Yeah, country career, but I have not. I didn't know that they were still doing things as a band. 1998. I think this oh, might okay. be sort of like a reunion kind of deal for okay. them, right? Yeah, they did those three studio albums, and they did a covers album, which is also really good. I I did listen to that. That was pretty good. And then they kind of went off to the you know four corners of the earth, did their own stuff. Darius Rucker had the uh, the country career, mm-hmm. but now I I don't know. I think they were. They may have been getting back together anyway. I don't think they're back just for this tour. Like, I think this was just something that enough time had passed and they're ready to kind of do this hootie thing again. You saying that they went off to the four corners of the earth makes me think that they were like the five lions of Voltron. (laughs) (laughs) We had had to like go under the ocean to find one of the members of Hootie and the Blowfish. Another one is in a pyramid somewhere in the desert. Dig into a volcano to find Jim Sony Sonafeld. Now they unite. <laughs> so, well, okay, Paul. So, how's your uh, how's your your BNL knowledge? Um, 
It's pretty strong. Okay, is Stephen Page back with the group? No. Damn it. I know. He's the best part of that band. Is he? I, I think he's doing solo stuff now. I, was he just at Jurgles up in uh, Warndale? No, I don't. I don't know. I feel like he was. A buddy of mine that I work with goes to Jurgles all the time, and I feel like he would have mentioned that. Okay. If Jurgles Stephen Page was there, and I and he didn't tell me that, we're gonna have some words. Jurgles is actually a pretty nice place to see. It is. See stuff surprisingly. I, didn't yeah. you just see? I went to see Eve Six. They were doing a. Uh, 20 year anniversary tour of their first album. Mm-hmm. So they played their first album, you know, all the way through. And then they came back on and played some various, like probably about six or seven songs from their other hits, but it's a, it's a nice venue. I really, really dug it. Yeah. We've seen a, we've seen a couple of bands there and um, yeah, I really like it uh, there. I don't know if you've ever been to Jurgle's original location. Mm-hmm, it, no. was, it was like a pit. Yeah. It was a real, it was a real dive. Um, Okay, a little bit of trivia for you. Do you know, do you know where the uh, the uh, Eve Six? Do you know where their band name comes from? I don't know. Okay, it's from an episode of the X Files, actually. Really? Yeah. Uh, not a big X Files guy. I, 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 that was one of those shows where I would just dip in and out of. Mm-hmm. Um, I never watched it from the beginning, but you know, it was again. You, you hear something's like really popular. I'm like, oh, I'll check it out, and yeah, I kind of got hooked for a while. Yeah. But then the ongoing mythology of the show was just too hard to keep up with and it just eventually for me it just got tired i'm like okay i know it i get it the truth is out there whatever like find some aliens already yeah my mom and i started watching it when it premiered and when it started it was great because it was all kinds of supernatural stuff it was monsters and ghosts and Mm. ufos and like it was it just encompassed all of that genre and then at some point they were like nope we're only doing ufos now and it just it's just total snooze fest I get ufos out of here ufos are so goddamn boring well, that's hilarious because you're a cosmic guy big cosmic guy but don't want it on your tv <laughs> i don't like i don't like ufos but i like cosmic police i right i like sci-fi the cosmic space stuff. space 50 yeah <laughs> yeah sci-fi sp- sci-fi space stuff is great but like ufo stuff like like conspiracy type stuff yeah is, it's just a little that's too grounded in humanity just for so you. boring do, do you remember the um the sh- the one episode of x-files that was uh banned on, on certain networks or, no. or certain uh, areas of the country it was the one where uh, I, th- I think the title of the episode is called home Oh, is that the one where like they find some like, it's like country the, cannibals or something? Yeah, well, it's like a it's like a family of like yeah like country like these backwoods, like yeah like yeah this it, this inbreeding of, of this yeah. one family is going I remember on that. All, yeah, that was, I remember my my dad who doesn't like doesn't shake easily at yeah. anything. He was like, that's the most disturbing episode of television I've ever seen. Yeah, it was like X-Files meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There was an episode of Supernatural where they did something similar to that, where it was, they weren't cursed or back from the dead or had superpowers. They were just crazy hillbillies that captured San and Dean and put them in cages. And I was like, I don't like this at all. Yeah, (laughs) and like that was one of the best Supernatural episodes. I know, super scary. Because it didn't have aliens in it. So, um... I've only watched like 
a couple episodes of Supernatural. You guys, are you guys into that? I do like Supernatural, but I'm way behind. I'm probably about five seasons behind. But I did watch. I mean, a testament to how long it's been on. It's been on like what, fifteen <laughs> something like that. Or something? Like I've watched a good, sizable chunk of it, and I'm still behind by five seasons. Wow. So I know Mr. Up to Date needs to collect them all. Current, <laughs> current as we stand. Yeah, I am 100% current. I think this this fall will begin the uh, 15th. And final season okay. of the show. I, um, I, yeah, I thought I heard that they were closing up shop, but I didn't know if that was this season or next season. Yeah, yeah, this this will be the final season. It's probably a few seasons too late. There's still some really enjoyable mm-hmm. episodes. Like last season, they did an animated Scooby-Doo episode. Mm-hmm. And something about the makeup of Supernatural allows them to do really bizarre meta type stuff like that um they introduced like in the show uh some some writer wrote a ton of novels a ton of like trashy like hardy fanfic boys. novels steamy about hardy boys. about sam and dean and they have like supernatural conventions and like so it's very meta yeah and they've yeah. they've like gone to the conventions and fans would look at them and be like eh, that's an okay cosplay <laughs> <laughs> they they've gone to there was a high school that put on an all girls play of Supernatural. It, yeah. it, they they get away with doing some really fun things on that show. And those are mm-hmm. a lot of the best episodes yeah. because it really uh, like they are meta episodes. It leans into themselves. You know they don't take themselves too seriously at all. Um, and they announced they were doing the animated Scooby Doo episode, and I was like, there's there's no way this is gonna be good. But <laughs> you're not a Doo fan. No, I I like Scooby Doo, but I just didn't know how it was gonna how they were gonna be able to stay truthful to the Scooby Doo characters and like blend the the gory like horrorness of mm-hmm. Supernatural and put the two together. Yeah. But they did it perfect, and it it worked out m- better than I could have imagined. So, but yeah, like they've. They've had really high watermarks in these last five seasons or so, it's but they've also had some like some real boring ass lows. It's tough to do 15 seasons, and they have a regular schedule, so it's like right. 20 episodes, 22 episodes a yeah. year. I mean, it's impossible to write something that's gonna hit it out of the park that much. Well, it was supposed to end after season five, and then mm-hmm. it was oh doing so well that. The CW was like, keep going, keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, uh. so like when you watch it from seasons one to five, there's there's a clear arc. Uh, but after that, then it just kind of like meanders, and there's season to season arcs. But um, mm-hmm. it's just the just the hair different than the tone that they kept through one to five. Do you have any shows that you that you really like or that you've been watching lately, Dan? What you been watching? What have I been watching? Um, well, we are on our... I, I, I've lost count. We're actually... Um, we always have, like, a show that we put on for, like, just for laughs. Mm-hmm. Just, like, you know... So we're on our, like, I don't know, 10th viewing of The Office. Um, Better get it all in now. Yeah. It's going away in 2021. <laughs> That's right. And I'll have to probably subscribe to the NBC service or whatever to you know have that available. is that where that's going yeah. yeah yeah nbc is doing their own streaming service um 
which probably means that like Parks and Rec will be right behind it, mm-hmm. uh, which is another one of our shows. But um, I don't know. Well, we've got uh, uh, Stranger Things is coming up. We'll probably you know watch that. I think this is the is this going to be the last season for that? I don't know. I feel like it, it kind of has to be almost because it's like there. Oh, my wife's shaking her head. No. So season so four is going to so be the maybe, college years. Maybe, yeah, maybe they'll be like you know Saved by the Bell. Stranger dorms. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to be just Stranger first house based on how quick these kids are growing up. <laughs> They're going to um, fight the demi mortgage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Moran. Nice. Um, no, I'm, I've um, I was keeping up with all the. CW shows, but now I'm. I think I've only kept up with the Flash. Um, I'm super behind on all the other ones. Uh, Dan, get caught up on Arrow. It's going away this fall. Yeah, I, that's a bummer. With the big <laughs> crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, uh, you know, crossovers I actually, too. I was actually kind of uh, underwhelmed with the last crossover event, the uh, Elseworlds. Yeah. And I was didn't really do much for me. Yeah. I really didn't care. That like that Ollie and Barry switched places. That was just kind of like, who cares? I think they should have played it. They just should have played it more for laughs because Stephen Amell is an underrated comedic actor. Yeah, he can do funny stuff when he wants to. Right, and like him being out of place in Barry's body with Iris and having the the speed force, it like he it, it worked so well. I don't think it worked as well taking lighthearted Barry and. Because they kind of had to force him to be darker. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, part of it was I don't even know why they named it. I mean, I think they just took the naming convention of Elseworlds because they own it. Yeah. But it really didn't hold true to what Elseworlds was as a storytelling device. You know, when you take, you know, uh, you know, a character and like, like for example, like, uh, you know, Batman Gotham by Gaslight was amazing it's you know batman in the victorian era you know or batman steampunk or so they didn't really do anything like that with taking a familiar character and putting them in a different setting or it was just a dc freaky friday exactly it was freaky friday yeah this last this last crossover wasn't wasn't that great uh what made it great were when legends came back because legends only runs in the back half of the t- of, of the, the television season, when they would make meta jokes about them being left out of the crossover <laughs> because they were this season. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, but uh, you know, Arrows this this will be Arrows eighth and final season yeah, or seventh not, and final season. Yeah. And um, you know, it like Supernatural, maybe could have wrapped this show up a season or so ago. Yeah. But they're it's only going to be eight episodes this year. And I think all of all eight episodes are going to be crisis episodes, and they're probably okay. going to kill off Ollie at, at at the end. And yeah. I guess uh, the new Batwoman show will take the place of Arrow in the in that in that world. Uh, so I expect a huge crossover for this time because it's going to be you know Stephen Amell's final send off. Um, the yeah. Monitor appeared in every in each show's. Uh, season finale this past year Mm -hmm. um flash kind of stumbled a little bit this past season yeah arrow was okay supergirl stunk 
Supergirl just beat you over the head with social justice. I'm like, uh, I get it. That's kind of why I I dropped off of it. It was just, it just got to, I couldn't roll my eyes any harder on some of those episodes than I did, you know? Yeah. Like that. I think, I think the last episode I watched was their, their gun control episode. That was just painful. Where, where the DEO decides we're not going to have guns anymore because we need to be non-lethal. Yeah. Like, yeah. But they don't even, they're not even like, you know what? We're just going to have rubber bullets. None of that. Like they're just not, no firearms, period. Yeah. I'm like, well, how's this going to work when like sometimes you fight aliens? (laughs) They have laser vision. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta gotta go taste this guy. I'm going to talk him down. You're going to use your, (laughs) use your words. Yeah, you know, between like the, um, the like alien angle this season and like everything was just so over the top social justice and mm-hmm. like I don't want I get that every like all day every day. Right. You know my Twitter feed you know is just a bunch of you know artists and actors and stuff and it's it's constant liberalism. I get it all day. Like just. Show Supergirl fighting some aliens. Like, I don't need... I know these lessons already. Like, mm-hmm. and I think generally the audience of Supergirl doesn't need taught these lessons of, you know, why we shouldn't put a wall up between yeah. us and Mexico. We get it. Like, we are the we liberal need to artists. put the wall up between us and Mars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like, yeah, like, like you said, I mean, we, you know, we, we watch these shows to escape from all the all the reality that we have to deal with on a daily basis. I don't, yeah, I, I don't need all the, you know, not every episode of every show has to be a very special episode. Right. And yeah, that's it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. I don't and need I, it. And know? I get there's certain merit that, you know, the best, the best sci-fi, the best fantasy, you know, the best fiction stories are uh, analogs for what's happening in the real world. Sure. But I don't, I don't need that. Like I don't think, like I think when I read Lord of the Flies, I read it because I'm like, all oh, these crazy kids are trapped <laughs> on an island and they're eating each other. <laughs> I don't read it for like, oh, this is really what, this is really what the American public is all about. Fuck that. Just teach. Just I, I want entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna look beyond the surface of a lot of things. <laughs> just entertain me. I don't need to. You know, I don't need levels upon levels of, you know, like how this speaks about society. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, buddy. I know you're, Ian, you're you're way more invested in. No, no, I just haven't seen. Depth. I just haven't seen Supergirl, so I can't really comment <laughs> on it. That's as far as that goes. Well, not just Supergirl, but, you know, just just media in general. You know, like there's a lot of, you know, there's. Been, there's tons of talk about how you know Lord of the Rings is really metaphors for certain things. Yeah, uh, I mean it was written during uh, the Great War, so and he Tolkien was in the war, so he could see a lot of those. You know, he wrote some of those parallels. Yeah, and you know Watchmen. You know there are mm-hmm. you know other things going yeah. on with those stories. And I, like, I, does that do, do, are those stories better for you because you you are like do you want more of that in your stories does it make those stories better i don't think that i need i don't think that i need more of it i think that it definitely i like layers i like my stories to mean things um i it doesn't bother me whenever it does reference something that is currently happening or it 
it has a point or something to say because I think that while maybe you don't need it or you don't need it to teach you these lessons, there are other people that are watching it that would take those lessons and maybe that's the only place that they would ever hear something like that or they would ever make those connections or maybe even it's just a subliminal thing where they're not really thinking about what it really means but when they're faced with the reality of this in real life, they're like, oh shit, well maybe I shouldn't be a piece of shit because those Martians and uh, it's kind of <laughs> like the, it's kind of the same thing. So, so maybe it's not for you but maybe it's for someone else. I guess there. maybe I just don't want it done so heavy-handedly. So, so yeah. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, if, you, if you've ever seen the episode of uh, Star Trek where they come in contact with the aliens that one of them are black and white and then the oh, other yeah. ones have the reverse <laughs> side, I mean, that's about as heavy-handed as you can get. <clears throat> Is that... OT or yeah, o- yeah. TOS? It's, uh, yeah, 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 original, yeah, original. Yeah, yeah. Some of those episodes are just oh, they're, they're so over the top, heavy handed. It's comical. But you have to think about the time that they were made in the yeah. '60s. That's like, true. There was a that's lot the of... only way that you were gonna break through and get people to be like, oh, I think I understand <laughs> well, and that. that. And that was the only. I mean, aside from radio and newspaper, that was like our only media outlet. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have. You know, 1,400 stations, you had three. Yeah. You had three channels, and that was, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that the, especially with all the social upheaval going on at that time, yeah, they were going to mm-hmm. maybe try and send their message out in that way, but, yeah, you're right. Like, watching it now, you're just like, oh, okay, Kirk, whatever, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but back in the day, you know, yeah, it, I don't know, I hate his his love for green and blue ladies like didn't uh you know maybe just wasn't the the same kind of message or or people didn't pick up on it and it needed mm-hmm. to be more heavy-handed was that where so. they had the um they had the first interracial kiss mm-hmm. on star trek mm-hmm. yeah yep him and ohora yeah so. yep yep breaking down barriers right <laughs> well um I think we're, we're well over an hour. I think we can uh, start wrapping it up. Yeah, um, thanks for thanks for having uh, us on this time. Uh, oh, we course. always enjoy our, our trip out here to Sorgatron Studios. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you guys could make it. And um, also, we're um, just to let everyone know we're uh, our two podcasts are hosting a little event in July, uh, July 22nd at Brew Gentlemen. Uh, from two to five, we're having a drink and draw. So it's just casual, you know, come out, hang out, uh, <coughs> have some beer, draw some pictures, you know, have some fun. Is it the is it July twenty eighth from two to five? Yes. What did I say? Did I say twenty second? Yeah, July twenty eighth. It is July twenty eighth. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yes. Just Re- wanted to make sure. Uh, Rewind the, the tape. Start it all over. <laughs> the droves and you know, droves I'm of people sorry. showing up, and I'm here to drink, and I'm here to draw. And they're like, we know that's that's next week. A buddy of mine asked, "What is the drink and draw?" I said, "It's exactly what it sounds it's like." It's exactly what it sounds like. It's you drink and you draw. Well. Do you have to draw? You don't have to. Like you, you don't can hang to. out. Yeah, you can. That's why I tell people. I mean, if you just want to hang out, I mean, there are plenty of um, uh, got people we know that are just into like craft brewing, mm-hmm. uh, bre- you know, uh, you know, craft beers. I mean, that's yeah, just come and hang out. You know? Yeah, drinking and drawing is optional. I will prob I will probably start drawing something. <laughs> uh, it won't come out 
correct the first time, so then I will just shift all to drinking. Well, it's not a competition. <laughs> I am always in competition with myself. The the <laughs> drink and draws that Paul, Paul you always want to you, you want to push yourself to be better. <laughs> be better, better drinker. Better functioning alcoholic. <laughs> the drink and draws that we usually attend generally turn into classes of sorts where we'll share ideas we'll mm. have like oh well, i do this certain thing or this is my workflow or this yeah. is the equipment that i'm using so that's usually what drink and draws at least in our circle of friends that's right. what they turn into is yeah. impromptu art classes so that's kind of yeah that's kind of what yeah. i'm and expecting this isn't this to that's be. kind of what and those those are you know those are great benefits of getting together for these events but if you're not an artist it's also a great time and a great opportunity just to come hang out. Um, exactly. If, you know, we don't, us and you, Dan, we don't see each other all that often. It's a great chance to get to hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great chance to meet some other artists and just mm-hmm. get together and have some beers and chill. Absolutely. Or if you're not an artist, come hang out and see yeah. see how we see how the sausage is made. Yeah, with the sausage. Well, you know, I, uh, part of the uh, inspiration uh, behind this, and it's not a new idea, of course, by any means, but yeah, part of it was like, you know, I haven't been able to get together with you guys in a while, and I always like getting together with you, like you and Steve and Jeremy, and mm-hmm. you know, it's always fun. Um, but uh, years ago, th- there was a um, well, th- this organization still exists, and there's a Pittsburgh um, branch or whatever you want to call it, but it's called Doctor Sketchy's Anti Art School. Okay. And they're they're I think they're worldwide. Uh, their major cities have them, and. They usually and, and we used to have one here in Pittsburgh that was sponsored by the Tunesium, and every month it would be at a different like restaurant or bar or whatever, and there would be each month would be a different theme, and there would be like drawing games and prizes or just like open draw or uh, timed drawing things like that, and those were always a lot of fun. Um, like I used to go to them, uh, Scott, Sean. And there'd be like a lot, some local, other local guys like Ed Pisker used to go, and mm-hmm. you know, um, but uh, you know they they don't they don't have that anymore. Like the, the, the Tunesium kind of uh, dropped it, and some other group organizes it now. But I've not seen them organize an event in some time, so I don't know. I just thought it was time that we just get a group of you know group together and just draw. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it'll be a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Paul, you've got something coming up, don't you? You've got some. Uh... I do. Uh, the the day before the drink and draw, July 27th, um, I am playing music for 2019's Rock Out to Knock Out Cancer. It's a cancer benefit that I do every year. Um, the band Fetish Noir puts it together. Um, them, Ray Powers, uh, a few other acts, myself, will get together this year. It's a club cafe in the South Side, which is great. Club cafe on a Saturday night. That's, you know, like a prime time spot mm-hmm. uh, for that place. I used to play down there a long time ago, and it was always one of my favorites. It's a nice, small, um, intimate little room. Um, so if you don't like cancer, <laughs> come out to the show. It's a great opportunity to just hang out. It's only 15 bucks for a ticket see a bunch of bands uh hang out see the very rare uh, occasion that i sing and play music in front of people so uh i think if if that's if that embarrassment is enough for you come on down <laughs> it just might be 
Actually, I think before you before you even mentioned started mentioning this on on your own show, I don't think that I actually knew that you uh, were a musician. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it ever a came little up. bit. Okay, a little bit. I played um I played drums in and a cup in a band years ago, and eventually started singing and playing guitar on my own for a while, or with a buddy of mine, you know, playing guitar with me, and every so often uh, I'll get invited to do to do a show somewhere and mm -hmm. so july 28th uh saturday night or 27th 27th july 27th 27th and the 28th is the drink and draw yep yep okay so it's a comic book pit mcsauce extravaganza weekend yes if you work call off <laughs> come hang out with us all weekend long yeah it's gonna be two heavy nights of drinking for me so <laughs> i'm gonna have to call off uh, that monday i'm calling off that monday <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey Guys, thanks again for for coming in and sitting with me in the uh, amazing Sorgatron Media Studios. I appreciate it. Love having you guys here. We love coming out. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right. So this has uh, been Comic Book Pit uh, 319. It is actually 319. I checked. Nice job. Yeah. yeah. So I was, muscle memory there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm your host uh, Dan Greenwald, and with me uh, in the studio from the McSauce Podcast, we've got uh, Ian Sharpley. See you later, everybody. And Paul McGinty. See you. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.